Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in multiple locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information on our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. Friends and fam in the room, thanks for hanging out with us today. Everybody that's joining online, my name's Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. Thanks for crashing a party on the last sermon in the book of Colossians. I hope it's helped you and challenged you like it has me. Uh, When my brother and I go to the beach to visit my mom, uh, there's something that she always does. We know that it's going to happen, and it happens right before we leave. Uh, My mom wants to take a group photo. Uh, even though we've seen her, it's, it's not like we're, we're moving away for a year or whatever. Like she sees us a lot, but she, we have to have a photo. Like she, she, right when we're trying to get in the car, she's like, let me go run and get my phone and uh, take a photo of you guys. So you can imagine what that's like with, with, with four grandkids. She wants all the grandkids together and to take a picture of them. And then my family together and then my brother's family and his two boys. And, and then both of our families together. And then all the guys, me, big chief and my brother take a picture and then all the family together. And then, you know what happens uh, when you got kids in the mix, uh, one photo turns into 50 photos uh, because someone's not looking. Someone has their eyes closed. Uh, someone is looking in this direction. Uh, my mom didn't put the phone up high enough and somebody's head got chopped off at the top of the picture. Like also 40 pictures later, we finally have a photo that, that we can have like a family photo for this, whatever this occasion was uh, that, that we were home. But here's the deal. Uh, anytime your mom asks you to do something, doesn't matter how old you are, you just look at her and you say, yes, ma'am, we will take a picture even though you've got plenty of pictures and you know what I look like and I'm only getting worse. Like I'm not getting any better looking. Cherish the old ones, not the new ones. Um, But we do it just because mom tells us to. The apostle Paul here is getting ready to close out the letter to the book uh, book of Colossians to this church in Colossae. And here's what he wants to do. Uh, When he closes it out, he wants to take a group photo. He wants everybody to, to get in the picture together. You know, and he's, we're going to read this list of names. And he's like, all right, you know, tall people get in the back and, and short people kind of in the middle of the front. And like all the girls, sorority girls, you know the pose, like to the side, bend your knees, hands down. It's ready. <laughs> right? You know the pose. <laughs> and, and so like he's getting everybody together, give, doing this, this last pose, getting these, all of these people together, this, this family, family photo. But this list of names at the end, like maybe you may read these and, and just think, you know, like I'm gonna skip over this because it's just a list of names. Like it's, it's just labeled the final greeting of the book. Like what, what's the significance in a list of names? Nobody cares about that. Um, and, and, but, I, but I would challenge you, we're, we're gonna look at this list of names today. There's so much significance in the people that Paul lists because Paul is getting ready to introduce us to some of his friends. Like can you imagine being a friend to the apostle Paul and getting your name written in the Bible, like, hello, big deal here. Like, if your name is in the Bible, it is not a throwaway. Some people read, because Paul does this at the end of every letter. He gives a shout out to some of his friends, and and sometimes I'll read passages like this, and it's kind of like when you go to the movies, and the movie is over, and the credits start to roll. Like, nobody stays for that. Like, I'm, I'm trying to, like, beat everybody out and get to my car and, and get home. Nobody stays for the credits. Nobody cares who did the hair and makeup for the backup stunt doubles. Like, nobody cares. 
And, and, and so that's kind of what these letters read like. He just goes into this list of all these names. But, but I want to dig into it. I want to show you some of Paul's friends because I think this is so important for us because Paul realized something that I think very few people in this room realize. Very few people in the world today realize this. Paul knew that there was no way that he would be able to accomplish the calling that God had placed on his life without other people around him. There's not a single person in the Bible that walked in God's purpose alone. Not, not a single person that you can find that, that experienced all that God had for them, received all the blessings that God had planned for them, and understood why they were put on the earth that did it alone. And I know for you, when I say this, like, it may seem like, ah, it's not that big of a deal, but, but today I want to talk about friends. Paul is going to introduce us to some of his friends. And I know you guys, because you're American. Most of you are American. And this is the American mentality. Like, we don't need no stinking friends, okay? Like, we are rugged individualists in this country. I don't need anybody. I can do it myself. I can make it happen on my own. I'm going to pull myself up by my own bootstraps. I don't need you or your help or your support or your love. I don't need any of that. I can do it alone. But I'm telling you, you will never... Understand the calling that God has on your life by yourself. You will never reap the benefits and understand the purpose that God has for you and receive his blessings that he has for you unless you are surrounded with the right people. You surround yourself with the right people and Paul's gonna argue the right things will begin to happen in your life. Maybe the reason why the right things aren't happening in your life is because you've surrounded yourself with the wrong people. And so today, I want to list six friends. And I'm going to challenge you on this. We're going to talk about six friends that Paul had in his life. And he's an older guy at this point in your life. So this is not like, you know, when you're in elementary school, you have friends. But when you become an adult, you don't need friends. Uh, no, these are six friends. And here's what I want you to do. Just, just be honest with yourself. Evaluate your friends. And if, if your friends don't meet these categories, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, you got the wrong friends. Because if you don't surround yourself with people like this, I'm telling you, you're going to miss out on all that God wants to do. You're going to miss out on so much in life. So Paul takes the time to close down each one of his letters that made it into our Bible, talking about the various friends that he has. I'm confident you get the right people in your life around you, and you'll begin to see things that God has for you, and it'll take your life to a whole nother level. So in Colossians chapter 4, last verses of, of the letter. If you have the app, you can pull it up. It has all the, the points and the scriptures laid out in it. Here's, here's the first of six friends that Paul is going to introduce us to. Uh, Colossians chapter 4, verse 7. Tychicus. Tychicus. Any pregnant women in here? That's a strong Bible name if you're going to have a boy. Tychicus. You can call him Ty if you want to. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He's a dear brother a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. You and I need a Tychicus in our life because Paul says this, number one, you need friends that will inspire you to be selfless. You need friends that will help you understand that your life is about more than just you. 
Listen to the words that, that, that are described Tychicus. Tychicus is mentioned five times in the Bible in Paul's letters, along with being a buddy of Paul when Paul's ministry is described in the book of Acts. So, so like they've been rolling deep for a while now. Paul knows this guy. And he, and he says this, if I could just tell you just two words about this guy, this buddy of mine, Tychicus, it's this. Tychicus is a faithful servant. Now to be a servant, you gotta be selfless because servants are constantly putting other people in front of themselves. You need to find someone and surround yourself with people in your life that are putting other people in front of themselves. Tychicus was the type of guy that would walk into a room and he's already looking around. He's like, hey, who in here can I serve? Who in here can I encourage? Hey, that, that lady over there looks like she's got something on her mind. She looks upset. She looks frustrated. She looks occupied. Maybe I can go over and encourage her. Hey, this guy over here is sitting by himself. Maybe I can go and encourage him. And, and he was just a servant. He was that type of guy that he would do anything for anyone, constantly putting himself second and other people in front of him. And, and Paul says this, like, I've been rolling for this guy for a long time. He's faithful. Like, I, I've been looking. He's done this for years. Do you have anybody in your life that helps to set the standard for selflessness? Because if the only thing that your friends care about is their life and their family and their money and their wealth and their career and their future and their safety and their security, you need new friends. Because you begin to hang out with inwardly focused people and you will become a selfish, inwardly focused person that only cares about themselves. But if you start to hang out with people that are outwardly focused, that walk into a room and they're asking themselves the question, who can I serve? Who can I help? Who can I love? Who can I encourage? It won't be long before that will start rubbing off on you and you'll become selfless. You need friends like Tychicus. You may not know this, but Revo has two other campuses. One is in Rural Hall and uh, one is in Walkertown. They're both meeting. You guys got hundreds of other family members in the faith that you didn't even know about that call Revo home. But when we came up to the North Campus about six years ago um, and, and got into the facility that we have up there, uh, the, the church that used to meet in the facility had this older lady named Miss Mabel. She was 85 years old. And when Revo came in and took over, she joined Revo. And so Miss Mabel, 85 years old, uh, had a, an operation that she needed, uh, couldn't avoid it. I know any surgery at 85 years old, man, that's, that's risky. Her family came in, uh, like really just honestly did not know if she would come out of it, didn't know if she would make it and live past the surgery. And so I'm in there with her family and, you know, she's hooked up to all kinds of tubes and wires and laying in the bed and, and, and we're doing small talk. But right before the doctor's roller into the, into the ER, uh, Miss Mabel looks up at me, 85 years old, and grabs my hand and she said, uh, Pastor Nathan, uh, how can I pray for you? And I looked at her and I was like, uh-uh, girl, that's my line. No, 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 no. You, I'm supposed to be saying that right now. You're in the hospital bed with the tubes and the wires and stuff. You're 85 years old, getting ready to have surgery. I'm supposed to be the one that comes in and says, Miss Mabel, how can I pray for you? But that was the thing. Miss Mabel was one of the most selfless people that I knew. She was on her back, surrounded by family members that really weren't sure if they'd ever have the opportunity to talk to her again. And Miss Mabel looked at me and said, how can I pray for your daughters, Nathan? How about Elizabeth? How can I pray for her? How can I pray for you as you help lead the church? What can I do for you? You need to surround yourself with people that care about more than just them. Or you will end up being a person that cares about nothing but you. Do you have a Tychicus in your life? 
Is that who your friends are? That's what you and I need. Find some friends like Tychicus that inspire you to be a selfless person. That's what Paul had. Verse 9, he continues, um, he, Tychicus, is coming along with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. Onesimus was from Colossae, a hometown kid. They will tell you everything that is happening here in the ministry that Paul is doing. First, we met Tychicus. Number two, he said, let me introduce you to Onesimus. You need a friend like Onesimus. You need a relationship like Paul had with Onesimus because number two, jot it down, you need friends that will tell you what you need to hear. Not tell you what you want to hear, but tell you what you need to hear. Here's an interesting fact about Onesimus. Uh, Onesimus was a convict. He was an escaped criminal. There's actually a a whole book in the Bible about Onesimus. It's the book of Philemon. Here's what happened. Onesimus uh, was a slave, not slave in the context that we know it today, but slave in that he signed a contract with a businessman named Philemon that he would work for him for a whole year. And once he signed the contract, Philemon gave him the whole money. He gave him his whole annual paycheck. And then here's what happened. You know what Onesimus did? He skipped town. (laughs) He took all the money and ran ran from, 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 from his job, from his responsibilities. Well, here was the problem. Life caught up with him because Onesimus ran into Paul. Well, Paul led Onesimus to Christ. Jesus radically changed his life. And Paul looked at Onesimus and said, you know who we need to call? Philemon. Onesimus was like, no, I'm good. <laughs> now he says, no, nah, like, we need to call. I'm good buddies with Philemon. And, and he wrote the book of Philemon, this letter to Philemon. But if it was today, he probably would have called him. Can you imagine the phone call? Onesimus is standing right next to Paul. And Paul's like, hey, chill out, man. I'm just going to call my boy. We're close. Phil, what's up, bro? Hey, you're not going to believe who I ran into today. Onesimus. You remember that guy that hosed you? Remember the guy that scammed you out of all that money? Remember those thousands of dollars? And then he bounced in out of town. Dude is standing right beside me. Can you believe that? He ran from you live PD style. Bad boys, bad boys. Everybody's looking for him. I found him. I bet Philemon said, hey, bro, send him to me. Send him straight to me. You know what Paul said in the book of Philemon? He said, listen, Philemon, Jesus has radically changed this guy's life. He's a totally different person. He's not the same convict that that you knew, not the same one. So here's what I need for you to do, Philemon. This is going to be hard for you to hear. I need for you to forgive him. Like, forgive him totally. No strings attached. Because I'm going to send Onesimus back to you. Hey, (laughs) that's the first time Onesimus heard that. He's like, I'll say what now? I'm going to send him back to you. But not as a person that owes you a debt that's going to work for you, but as a brother in Christ. It's going to help you with your ministry. So Philemon, here's the deal, man. I know he owes you thousands of dollars, but I want you to wipe that debt clean. This brother right here doesn't owe you anything anymore. Hey, Philemon, man, it's time to do the right thing. It's time to do what Jesus would have done. Jesus forgave you of your sins, didn't he? He didn't make you pay him back, did he? Hey, this guy's life's been changed by Jesus. It's time. Do you have friends like that? Do you have friends that'll look at you and tell you the right thing to do? even when it's the hard thing to do? Do you have friends that you surrounded yourself with that are willing to tell you that you're wrong when you're wrong? Because listen, if your friends agree with you 100% of the time, you got the wrong friends because you're not right 100% of the time. You have to have somebody that can look at you and say, hey, the way that you treated that person was wrong. You need to go apologize. Hey, in this situation, friend, 
they're right and you're wrong. Hey, you shouldn't have spoken like that. You shouldn't have treated them like that. You should not have done that. That's the wrong thing to do. You need to do the right thing. Instead, we like to surround ourselves with a bunch of yes men and yes women that no matter what happens to us, we're always the victim and it's never our fault. Do you have anyone that is looking at you, challenging you to do the right thing, even when it's hard? You need an Onesimus Paul relationship. You need friends that will look at you and not just tell you what you want to hear, but tell you what you need to hear. That'll help you grow in that relationship with Jesus. He challenged Philemon to do that and he helped these guys get back together. Do you have a Philemon, do you have an Onesimus and a Paul type of relationships that will tell you what you need to hear no matter how hard it is to hear it? If not, you're missing out. You're missing out on something that God has for you. That was the relationship that Paul had with Onesimus that, that meant so much to him. Verse 10, we meet the next friend. My, my fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark. Praise God, it's a plain name, right? Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, then I, I want you to welcome him. I want you to open up your, your home to him. Uh, there's another guy, Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have provided a great comfort to me. Paul says, let me introduce you to three more friends. Let me introduce you to Aristarchus, this guy named Mark, and this guy that we call Justice. Because here's the deal. Like, we call him Justice, but his name's Jesus. But if you're Paul, there's only one Jesus, right? <laughs> You know, so he, can you imagine like Paul meeting Jesus? He's like, hey, my name's Jesus. He's like, mm, I'm going to call you Justice. We call you Jesus Justice. We'll call you JJ for short. Because here's the thing. I'm not calling you Jesus. There was only one Jesus, and you ain't him. Like, and I don't need the confusion either. Like, if I, if I call somebody and be like, you won't know, you won't believe who I ate dinner with the other night. Jesus. And everybody's be like, what? He's back? What's going on? No, the other Jesus. So it's just JJ. That's what we're going to call you. Here was the friend that these people had and the friendship that Paul had with these three men. Number one, or number three, you need friends that'll give you courage. You need friends that will give you courage. Paul says, these are the men that were willing to go to prison with me for standing up for our faith. These are fellow prisoners. All the bad stuff, all the beatings, all the persecution. Every time I stood up for what was right, these guys were at my right and to my left, speaking courage into me, helping me to do the right thing. There, there were people that stood beside Paul when he was faced with a moral dilemma. And you and I need these people as well. Every day, we're going to be faced with a decision. We can either do what's right or we can do what's wrong. We can take the shortcut or we can do what God's called us to do. We can take a stand for our faith and point people to Jesus and do the right thing. Or we can put it on cruise control and do whatever is easiest for us. Do you have anybody in your life that when you're presented with those opportunities in your life will look at you and say, hey, now is the time to do the right thing. It's never the wrong time to do the right thing. I know it's gonna cost you. I know this is gonna involve sacrifice, but Paul, listen, you know what the right thing to do is, and I want you to do it. And I'm gonna be right here with you. I'm not just telling you to do it, I'm going to be right here with you. Paul, we got to go tell people about what Jesus has done in our lives. We have to. He's done too much, Paul. Don't back down now. Don't be scared of the beating. I'm going to be right here with you. We'll swap beatings. Don't be scared of jail. At least you'll know your roommate because I'll be with you. 
Like, don't be, Paul, there's too much of a calling on your life, Paul. Like, like don't, don't get scared. Do you have people like that that are speaking courage into your life, even when it's hard, even when it's difficult? Or are the people in your life trying to show you the shortcut? It's how there's no reason to sacrifice. There's no reason to give that up. Come on now, you need some you time. It's time you take care of you. It's time you focused on you for a change. Paul had guys like Aristarchus and Mark and JJ that filled his heart and soul with courage because courage is what he would need to become the man that God had called him to be. Do you have that? Do you have friends like that? Are your friends giving you permission to always take the easy way out? You're missing out on what God has for you if you don't have guys and gals that speak courage into your life. Verse 12, Epaphras, next friend, Epaphras, one who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for all those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. He said, let me introduce you to Epaphras and, and here's the description. This guy is a servant of Jesus. Like, that's what you need to know about Epaphras. This dude loves Jesus. That's all he talks about. That, that's who he looks like. That's who he acts like. Like that's what his attitude is like. Epaphras is all about Jesus. And Paul says, man, just being around guys that are all about Jesus makes me want to be more like Jesus. Do you have friends like that? The fourth friend, he says, is you need friends that will push you to become more like Jesus. There are people in your life that are influencing you to become less like Jesus. Not talk like him, not act like him, not serve like him, not love like him. And then you have friends that if you hang out with them long enough, you will realize they are making you more like Jesus. The more you hang out with them, the more you look like Jesus. That was Epaphras' title. That was the only thing that he cares about. He was a spiritual giant in Paul's life. And Paul says this, man, this guy is all about Jesus and he's constantly praying, constantly talking to God. And I'm not talking about like quick bow your head before your meal. God is great. God is good. Thank you for the food. Amen. I'm not talking about that prayer. Paul says this guy is wrestling in prayer. I mean, like he's passionate. He wants it. He's praying for you day and night. You got a prayer warrior in your friend group? You got somebody that you can call on when everything goes south? There's a couple of people in my life that when it hits the fan, uh, I call to pray. A couple of people that, that I know and that I trust that no matter what happens, no matter what time of day or night it is, they will drop everything that they're doing. And I'm not talking about come and get me. I'm not talking about bail me out of jail. I got other people for that. I'm not talking about like come help me in the trenches. I'm talking about, hey, dude, I just need for you to drop what you're doing and pray and call out to God for me. I have people like that in my life. One of them is uh, Pastor Salinas. Pastor S, if you never had a chance to meet Pastor Salinas, he preaches at the Spanish service, Revo's Spanish campus in, in Rural Hall on Sundays. Let me tell you why this is a, a prayer warrior in my life. Um, every Wednesday, our staff gathers together to pray from 9 to 11. We pray for you, for the request that we get at the prayer at Discover Revo. Pray for God to do amazing things in this city. And Pastor Salinas used to come on Wednesdays and pray with us. Now, Pastor Salinas speaks English, but he prays in Spanish. And so our whole team is like kneeling down in the chairs, and Pastor Salinas is praying. We take turns praying out loud. 
I got no clue what this guy is saying. He could be cussing me out in Spanish for all I know. Like he could be bad mouthing me to God. But I'm standing there and I know you're supposed to close your eyes during the prayer. But our whole staff team is looking at this guy praying. And I am telling you, I don't know what he's saying, but I promise you God is listening. <laughs> and like whatever he's asking, he's probably going to get. This guy is passionate. Like you can tell it is from the heart, man. He is calling out to God. And so when I need something and I need somebody to pray, I, I call Pastor Salinas. But there's another reason why I always call Pastor Salinas. When I need a prayer warrior in my life, a friend that I can get real with about the spiritual things that are going on. Uh, one day, a lady at the Spanish campus uh, was having a baby and she checked into Novant Hospital. And Pastor Salinas and all the elders were in the waiting room, uh, waiting. We were going to celebrate with his mom. And uh, something happened during the birth, and the baby's vital signs uh, went out, and the baby was, was born without, without a pulse and not breathing. And as the doctors and the nurses uh, broke it to the mom, told the mom that, that your baby is, is, is not alive, it was stillborn, uh, this mom reaches over and picks up the phone that was beside her bed, and she calls Pastor Salinas. And she said, I want you to come into the room and bring the elders, and I want you to pray. And Pastor Salinas walks in and puts his hands on that baby, and he starts to pray. And after about two minutes, the baby starts to cry. And the baby's not the only one crying. The doctors are crying. The nurses are crying. At this point, like I'm crying, Pastor Salinas, cool as the other side of the pillow. He looks at me and he says, Pastor Nathan, that's what he calls me, Nathan. Pastor Nathan, Jesus brought this baby back to life and I am not surprised. Now that sounded like a Jamaican accent more than, I'm sorry, man, that's really trying. But that's a Spanish accent, that's the best I can do. So I'm not surprised. And I went out to my car and I picked up the phone and I called my wife and I said, Elizabeth, I need for you to promise me something. If I ever get hurt, you need to call Pastor Salinas. <laughs> Don't call the doctor, call Pastor Salinas first. Tell him to meet us at the hospital. There was a baby that was dead and he laid his hands on him and prayed. And now the baby's crying and feeding with the mom and the doctors are crying and the nurses are crying and I'm crying, I'm coming home. Call Pastor Salinas if anything ever happens. You got people like that? People like that, when it, when it hits the fan, they got your back. Part of my job as a pastor, like I leave my phone on all, all, all night long. I, I got some friends, and this may be some of y'all too, like I don't have this luxury, but there's this thing on your phone that you can silence all the calls and text after 9 p.m. Like I got friends like from nine to six. I'm telling you, man, if something happens and I call you, you better pick up. And so people call me. In, in the middle of the night. And I'm like, yeah, I'll help you. I'll meet you at the hospital. What's going on? Their life is, is falling apart. You need some friends that are not going to send you to voicemail at 3 a.m. when your life falls apart. You need some friends that will pick up no matter what. You got people like that? Do you have people that are willing to pray? Not do, not help, not give, but just get on their face in front of God. You need a guy like this. Paul had an, an Epaphras here. He had a guy that said, man, you want to talk about somebody that's like Jesus? Every time I hang out with this guy, it challenges me to become more like Jesus, to look like Jesus and talk like Jesus and act like Jesus. This guy's got a connection with the Lord. You need friends like that. 
like Epaphras, that'll, that'll push you to become more like, like Jesus. Let me give you the, the next friend that, that Paul says here in verse 14. He says, our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas sends greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha in the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of Laodicea and that you may in turn read the letter that, that I mailed to the church there in Laodicea as well. We got, we got three more names. We got, we got Luke, who's a doctor. It's always good to be friends with the doctor. And, and, and then you, you, you have others. He starts with, 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 with this doctor, Luke, and, and he says, you need friends in your life. Number five, jot this down. You need friends that are generous. Now, I didn't say friends that were rich because some of the richest people I know don't do anything for anybody else. And some of the, the like college students with college debt driving a 1997 Nissan Sentra are some of the most generous people that I've ever met. You need friends that are generous, friends that'll live their life open-handed. Paul says, I've got this friend named Luke. He's a doctor, right? And so not, not only does he have a very demanding job that demands a lot of his time, but he's also, it's a very lucrative position. And, and Paul says, but yet this guy, Luke, is all about the ministry. This is the same Luke that wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts. And so despite having a ton going on, listen, this guy is busy. This guy is rich, can pay anybody to do anything. Paul says, even Luke is constantly involved in ministry, constantly looking at Paul and say, hey, what do you need? Can I help you? Can I serve you? Can I do something? You got a bill that needs to be paid. You, you need somebody to show up and do something. I'll give you my time. I'll give you my money. I, like it's, it's about Jesus. I know I'm a doctor, but it's, I'm a Christian doctor. I, I know I'm a wealthy individual, but I'm a Christian wealthy man. So that, that, that first word redefines everything. Do you have people like that that are generous, not rich, generous, people that are challenging you to live open-handed? He, he was giving Paul his time and his resources. Secondly, Paul mentions this, this gal named uh, uh, Nymphus. Nymphus from Memphis. Check this out. He said, there's this girl that hosts and leads a church in her home. Now I want you to catch this, a girl named Nymphus. Because a lot of people have convinced themselves that the Apostle Paul and the Bible and Jesus are anti-women, that they are misogynist. And when somebody tells me that, I'm like, did you read the book? <laughs> or, or did you just say, did you find that on Twitter? Like, did you read this book? Or did somebody just tell you that? Because in the Bible, Paul gives a shout out to a strong female leader. And I want you to get the language. He doesn't say, Nymphus, this girl who meets in her husband's house, he said, Nymphus, who leads and hosts a church in her house. She don't need no man. Hashtag girl boss. She got her own house, got her own car. And Paul says, big shout out to Nymphus. What is she doing? She's opening up her life. Come on, use my house. Eat everything in my refrigerator. Drink all my drinks. Sit on my furniture. Suck in my air conditioner. I'll pay for it all. It's a house in my church. Surround yourself with generous people. Find you a Luke. Find a Nymphus that is generous. Because if you hang out with generous people, then generosity will become a part of who you are. 
So if you want to be that stingy person that lives closed-handed, that's always tight and complaining about everything, then go hang out with those people. I want to surround myself with generous people because I want to be a generous person. And whoever your friends are is where your future is, is headed. Paul surrounded himself, not, not just with rich people, but people that were willing to live open-handed. And whatever I have, you can have. I'm going to give it to you. Those are the people that you need to find in your life. Last two verses that close the book down. He says, tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Last friends, Archippus, that you need. Number six, you need friends that will challenge you to move forward. He looks at Archippus and he says, listen, man, finish strong. Don't quit. Don't get satisfied with what you've done. I know you've seen a lot in your life. I know you've done a lot. I know you've given a lot. I know you've served a lot. I know what your past resume is, but here's the deal. If you're still here, God's not done. Keep going. Keep pushing. Keep sharing. Keep living. Keep giving. Keep doing. Keep going. Like God has a plan for your life. Do not quit on this. Paul realized something that the longer I'm in ministry, the longer I'm alive, the more I look up to. I used to be really impressed with fast starters. The longer I'm alive, the less impressed I am with fast starters and the more impressed I am with strong finishers. Anybody can start. Anybody can take the first few steps. Show me someone that's going to be faithful to finish. Show me somebody that's not going to limp across the finish line, but that's going to keep driving, knowing that God has a plan and a purpose for their life. And when the plan and the purpose are over, you'll be dead. If you're not dead, keep driving. Keep pushing. Keep moving forward. If you're not dead, God's not done. Like, I need people like that. Not people that put your life on cruise control. Not people that pat themselves on the back and say, well, you know, I've done enough. I think, I, I think, I've, I think I'm good. I think I can just take a step back. I think it's time for me to, to take a break right now. I don't want to be surrounded by people like that, man. I want to make it count. I want to make it count every single day of my life. And so Paul looks at Archippus and said, listen, bro, finish strong. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't forfeit everything, man. Keep your character high. Keep your morals and your integrity in place. Like, don't forfeit any of that. I want people around me that are pushing me to say, Nathan, finish. Finish. Keep running. Keep pushing. Come on, you're not done yet. God's not done yet. Still a plan, still a purpose. People that'll push you forward. You need friends that'll push you to stick with it. That'll tell you don't give up. That'll remind you that it's worth it. That faithfulness doesn't lead to a reward. That faithfulness is the reward. That obedience is what we do to the very end. Not a starter, but a finisher. Archippus found a friend in Paul that would push him to never be satisfied. Do not rest until the job is done. Do not give up. Do not think that this is not significant. I want you to move forward in your relationship with God. Never settle. Never put it on cruise control. Do not limp across the finish line. Break the tape. Like lean into it. That's what I want to do in my life. And if that's what I want to do, I got to surround myself with people that are going to push me to move forward to the very end. Here's my advice for you. If you're looking for friends, if you want to do an evaluation of your friend, here's the deal. Here's all you need to do. I want you to run as fast and as hard as you can towards Jesus in every area of your life. 
run as fast and hard as you can towards Jesus. And when you're running, look to your left and look to your right. And if there is anyone pursuing Jesus as hard as you are, then let them be your friends. I don't care if it's convenient. I don't care if if they're available. Today, we make friends based on like whatever is easy for us. Like, do they pull for the same team? Like, I don't care what color they are. I don't care where they live. I don't care if they're old or young. I don't care what they look. I don't care if you don't know anything about them. If you're chasing Jesus and they're chasing Jesus, there's your friends. You're gonna get there at the end of your life and realize you got exactly where God called you to be and the people around you helped you to get there. Are you hanging out with the right people? Do you have the right friends? If not, you are missing out on an incredible blessing. You are missing out on so much that God can do in you and through you by surrounding yourself with people that are slowing you down. Do an honest evaluation, not only of your friends, but ask yourself, is that the type of friends that I am to the people around me? Would people hear this sermon and my name come to their mind? Or would they look at my life and be like, yeah, I need a different friend. In a text that many people would just throw away as the ending credits, Paul says, I wanna give a shout out to my friends because I know I would not be the man that God has called and created me to be without the people that are surrounded by me right now. Run hard towards Jesus. Find people that are doing the same and link arms with them. Watch what Jesus does in your life. Let me pray for you. God, thanks for this this shout out, for the example that that we can have, for for the reality that there's no way we can become the men and the women that you've called us to be if we don't surround ourselves with the right people. God, so give us the, the clarity to know who we need to look for. God, like help us to pray that we would surround ourselves, that you would bring friends into our lives that would challenge us and push us to become more like like your son, Jesus. God, give us the wisdom to know what to do with the words that we have just heard. Let it not just glance off of our minds and let us walk out of this room unchanged. God, speak to us. Let us know what our next steps are. Give us the clarity that we need to become the people that you've called and created us to be. Ask those things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Revo Podcast. We believe everyone has a next step to take in their relationship with Jesus. If you would like more information on what that means for you, or if you have any questions about today's message, please email us at info at discoverrevo.com.